and gentlemen, the chairman of the boards are back after a very long hiatus. I think it's been a couple of months. We've all been very busy managing our own businesses and our own lives and our own affairs and haven't really had a chance to get together for quite a while, but we thought we'd have a reunion check-in with one another. And as a matter of fact, fun fact, we haven't even really talked to Sean Haley since the last time we did a podcast two months. So I have no clue how he's been other than what Facebook and the ACL world has been telling me. So when I say, how you doing, Sean, I really want to know how the hell you been for the past two months? Doing, <laughs> doing fantastic. I mean, there's nothing going on, right? The last two months, ACL related events at Wicked Cornhole. I mean, there's uh, it's been crazy, right? Summertime, we're kind of in the thick of it now. But I think the last time we talked, I was heading off to Detroit. And since then, I've done Detroit. We've done Canton, Ohio. Now we're getting geared up for Worlds. We got the top 100, the Northeast. I mean, there's no shortage of stuff going on here. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Incredibly busy. It's the season. On both the event side, Mike and I have been working closely with the event side. We'll talk a little more about that later. And then I've been working mm-hmm. closely with Stacy. And I've actually been sick for over a month, truth be told. Um, I got a bad case of the shingles. Ever heard of the shingles? Ooh, that's no fun. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I've heard of it. It sounded gross and and itchy, but I also learned it's painful and it uh, drains the energy right out of you. So I've been about four weeks um, feeling pretty crappy, but able to function. And thanks to Stacy and Mike keeping things going and stuff. But uh, yeah, I've been kind of down for the count, just trying to stay afloat while I get through this thing. I wish I got the vaccine. I didn't even, you don't even think of it. But people are like, why didn't you get the vaccine? I'm like, I don't, I didn't think I was going to get shingles. I don't. I don't even think of shingles. I thought it was like an old person's disease, but I'm not that old, but I got them. (laughs) I've been dealing with sciatic nerve stuff. And then finally, within like the last couple of weeks, it's kind of subsided. But that was another one that was like, man, that sucks when you get that stuff. And it's like, you can barely feel like the right side of your body and it's just pain getting up. And it does suck getting old. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Mike's going to figure it out in about 15 years. He just turned... Come on, I've been falling apart already. I I had to bring helpers on an, on a weekend of events, what, last month, two months ago, because I bent over to pick up a box and I threw my back out and I could barely move. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was there when he did it. He literally like was hunched over and could not straighten himself up. What do you, you, you just had a birthday. Happy birthday uh, earlier this Thank month. Thank you. You're yeah, 30, 30, 32 going on 55. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Take care I of yourself, know, buddy. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, up on you. I, I'm realizing that. So I was playing baseball the other night and I went uh, from first to third on a single. And then I scored on a wild pitch the next pitch. And I started seeing spots getting to the bench. Oh, no. I was like, this is bad. I, I shouldn't be this winded from running what? 270 feet. Then we have Stacy who walks two miles every morning, <laughs> takes perfectly great care of herself, and she has no ailments at all. She's a 52-year-old woman headed towards 52. You're not supposed to say that. Now you got to do some editing. Well, no, we're surprising people because she looks 35. You look 52 and she looks 32. Bruce, why don't you have her step on the scale and we'll just read it off too while you're <laughs> yeah, at it. Seriously. Ouch. Actually, there's good news on that front. I'm uh, headed towards six months without a cigarette or anything smokable, and I am also down 20 pounds. So, yeah. Nice. Beautiful. Let's talk about the scale. Yeah, I think illness. I found your 20 pounds. <laughs> yeah, <I was laughs> yeah you say. and me both. <laughs> yeah. That's um, great. I'm no longer a fat guy. I'm just a kind of fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, all right, that's enough for health talk. Is this cornhole or uh, 
right? <laughs> we got a lot of, lot of catching up to do for sure. I know. I know. I don't even know where to begin. There's lots of places to go with it, though. But on the ACL side, um, you've had a front row seat to it all, and there's been a lot going on. I mean, we see players traveling to Europe. We just had Zach Stickney come back to work after a trip to over to Europe and all of the other events that you were talking about. So, right. Yeah. What do you you see guys like, like Tony Smith are heading off to Paris. So I think the uh, ACL Europe kind of program is kicking off. There's no one better to talk about that than Sean Farrell. Right. I mean, I think, I think he's been to every country that the ACLs offered uh, (laughs) to go overseas for ACL Europe. But I think that's just a small drop in the bucket compared to some of the changes that we're going to see with the ACL next season. Um, Spoiler alert. I mean, I, I can't say anything otherwise I'll get in trouble, but there's a ton of changes coming up. I mean, huge changes. It's not just like, let's adjust this and see how it goes. It's like, we're going to overhaul this whole thing. And it, you're going to see that within uh, within the next two years. Next year, you'll see a, a big change, but the uh, following year is going to be huge, huge, huge difference to what we're used to now. So they're definitely, um, you know, doing everything they can to, you know, stay on top of the game and to kind of take the feedback that players have put out there. I just had a, a conference call with uh, Todd Kosicki, who's kind of the director of directors, and uh, he was kind of going over a lot of the things and changes that they're talking about for the next couple of seasons. So definitely excited to be part of it, and um, we'll see how it goes. Should be fun. Good. So you see them mostly improvements and answering the call of feedback from players and fans? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. I mean, there's going to be a lot of polarizing kind of changes. I think some players are going to take it one way and then a majority are going to take it another way. So just be curious to see what the feedback is from the public, but definitely some big changes on the horizon. Hopefully some of that stuff will be released after worlds. I think they want to get through that kind of put a wrap on this season and then start uh, focusing on next season. Well, one thing they were pretty transparent about um, on the rules side of things was trade. This is how long we've been gone. I think it was a month ago now. But I still found it to be interesting and relevant today was talking about the two rule changes they were considering, one being the uh, step over the line and the mm-hmm. other being switching bags um, once during the middle of a game, uh, middle of a match. Sure. So that landed with there, there's a conclusion there, right? Um, it got voted on by the players and there'll be I don't no think switching the, of the bags. Yeah, I don't think the bag switch made it through. And then I think the stepping over the line kind of reverted back to what it was this year. I don't think there was a... I, th- I thought they changed it a little bit. Um, so the bag change got shot down and the step rule is now your follow through, I think, can go over, but you can't fully go over the line or it was That's something right. like that. So it's to cut down on when you see those people that are like halfway down as they're throwing the bag. I think your follow right. through can go through, but your your front foot can't go over again. Yeah, that could be. I'm definitely going to touch up on that as we go into next season when the new rules come out. A lot of like again, there's been so many different changes and variables and meetings, and it's hard to keep up with what's actually going to be uh, legit until we get that final rules um, kind of sheet and can kind of go through that. But a lot of moving pieces for sure. I really wanted to see that bag change rule go through. I thought that was an excellent proposal, and I think it adds another layer to the game of both strategy and just making it a little more interesting. Um, obviously, that's an unpopular opinion, but I, I was personally rooting for that one to go through. 
I thought it would have been great. I think, you know, that in conjunction with that uh, 11 round TV timeout thing that they do on the broadcast. I mean, that's the perfect time to kind of get together with your partner and say, hey, do we want to make a change? You know what I mean? There's things they could have done with that. I mean, they have to do that TV timeout anyways for a broadcast. Um, that might have been a, a good time to kind of roll that in. Maybe that's what Trey was thinking, too, is, is you know, not only do you have that time out where they're standing around for five or six minutes, but then they could kind of strategize. And if they do want to come with a bag change, I mean, it would make for good TV anyways. You know what I mean? They come back and say, oh, you know, Jacob and Tony have opted to swap out bags for the second half of this match. You know what I mean? So definitely I see where they were going with that. Yeah. Well, it's strategy. We all, we've talked about it with Jacob and Tony, as a matter of fact, you know, when you, when you're into different board conditions and, and environmental conditions that can change how your bag's going, or even realizing the strategy of your opponent as it goes, having that opportunity, that that layer of strategy to be able to swap out to a set that can accommodate what you're reading on the boards and in your opponents halfway through the match, I think that's nothing but exciting. I think that's good. In an otherwise kind of boring game, if you you know really get down to it. I mean, let's let's be honest. We all love cornhole, but it, it, it ain't like watching football or anything. It's, you know, so having another layer of strategy and and change that can come about in the middle of a game to break up the back and forth, I, I thought was going to be excellent. But now, Sean, I, can you send my suggestion to Todd if we really want to make it interesting? Sure. You can make one bag change, but the only bag change is you can just switch bags with your opponent. There you go. Oh, jeez. <laughs> jeez. <laughs> That'd be an element. Their strategy. So if you're yeah. playing some slide guys, you go in with carpet bags, throw a couple rounds, and then say, all right, we're swapping. Yeah. No, that would definitely be interesting. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, how about that kind of run that Tony and Jacob have been on for the Northeast? I mean, they've been, you know, ESPN. Tony is like another level right now. It's crazy. Yeah, have, have they not made ESPN in any event they've gone to in the past three months? Yeah, I don't. It's It's been crazy. They've been on a tear. And I know Tony's just been unbelievable to watch um, the way he's been throwing bags. It's, you know, he's definitely, you know, you know, he lost to Mark in that singles championship to be the kind of the world champion. But I think he's I, I would take, you know, Tony any day for sure. You know, he just he's on another level right now. Yeah, MVP candidate. He's doing it all. And uh, his social media game got a little stronger. He had that very cool idea, that raffle. Yeah, I that thought that great. what what came of that? We um, he put out the raffle and stuff, but I don't I'm not sure I know who even went with them or how they did or any of that. But. I'm pretty sure I was at that event. I'm pretty sure it was Whitney Martinez's husband that won that. That's cool. And I believe they made tier one. And then I don't know if they won a couple of games, but they ended up losing out of that before they got uh, too deep to make a run. But uh, yeah, it was great uh, publicity. I mean, and, and then with the whole uh, ACL Europe thing that we talked about, I mean, he's just, um, you know, kind of doing some great things for sure. Yeah. And Lucky Bags actually kind of copied that. They're doing it right now. On their I website, saw. they're doing a $10 raffle to go play with uh, Mark and Philip. So they have two chances, all expenses paid. Wonder if that was Tony's brainchild from the beginning. I mean, first I've seen something like that. So I feel like I thought Noah Wooten might have done it or someone might have done it a year or two ago. I could have oh, swore I've seen someone do it a while ago, but I don't think it was as big as Tony. Like Tony posted, all right, we're going to do it this way. And then all of a sudden his Venmo blew up with like 500 people sending money. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Maybe I should do that. Get a chance to have me as your partner. Send me a $10 right? yeah. Venmo. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be able to buy lunch for the shop one day with all that money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. 
Definitely great. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's safe to say that Tony and Jacob's great run happened or started with their appearance on the Chairman of the Board's podcast, right? It's it's been all yeah, it's been we, all we a brought, roller coaster ride since then. We brought we them got a on Chairman after, Bump going on, right? I think we brought them on after the uh, Portland conference, right? And then yeah. we kind of talked about the you know flow media stuff, and then their broadcast and how they did, and then from there, I think they uh, they've been on they've been lights out. Yeah, that's the power of the chairman of the boards. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so that gets me thinking about another interesting, um, speaking of podcasts, the uh, Big Ass uh, Cornhole podcast had an interesting, I don't know if this is Facebook uh what do we what do we call it? Facebook readings, read and react. Facebook live reactions. Facebook live reactions. I forgot the names of everything we do. Um, it's been so long. Anyway, um, so there was something pertaining to sponsoring players that got a lot of traction, a lot of interest, and I had even chimed into it. The um, the ROI, return on investment of sponsoring players, and it's all you know we're all headed out of a season and into another one. And there were a lot of interesting answers in there. I don't have the post up there, but, you know, it's certainly something that I've been reflecting on. We sponsored 10, 10 ACL players, ACL pros this season. And we had three, I mean, as classified, we had three veterans, four rookies and three PDCs. And, you know, it's really time to just really reevaluate that. And I thought it was an interesting, thought-provoking subject. And I thought it would be a good cause for dialogue with all of us um sean sean and mike did you happen to see that post i did yeah i saw it. i saw the post yep. but i didn't get to read any of the comments yeah, all I right. didn't either but so you you would be actually the, the, the great person to answer that because i was always wondering that myself is like what if you bring on a crew like that do you need a tony smith or a jacob trzinski to 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 make the bottom dollar or are you counting on like a sean farrell or whatever who's traveling all over europe and is promoting the wicked cornhole brand is that more valuable than to you than to have a tony smith wearing your your logo on espn maybe for the five or ten minutes that he's on there at a time i mean that that's a great question to kind of throw back to you all right well i will take that question i'll field that because i have i've done a lot of reflecting and two years ago we sponsored players in the sense of um, supporting people's journey up into the pros, the locals. There were a local group of, of young players coming up through that were um, that we were supporting and they were relatively unknown on the national scene on m- many levels. But we took on Zach Stickney, Emily Downer, Joe Regan, Mark Burgess, to name a few. And they would go on to become pros. So they were, we, we were very proud to support their journey, as one might say, knowing full well that there is no ROI. Um, and to be clear, as a business person, there's one of two ways to look at a sponsorship. And one is just good old fashioned support, maybe some name, some brand rec- recognition, and, and having a bunch of cool people that you respect in the game representing your brand. That's way different than ROI because you invest a ton of money into these players. You're giving them expensive product, you're writing out checks or sending Venmos. And in year two, we entered some legit agreements with with these people where there was very real money being invested. Um, So it wasn't the supporting of a journey anymore. It was, but it was also more or less 
an experiment to see if there would be a return on investment. And I don't want to share numbers. It's nobody's business. And I don't want to really get into the down, down, down to the specifics of it. But I will say as a blanket statement, there was zero return on the investment, which did not surprise me. Um, first of all, it's hard to quantify. Like, you know, did I, did we sell 50 extra cornhole sets nation, nationally because Jimmy Humans wore our hat during his broadcast? Right. I mean, right. the answer was no. I, I mean, the answer was no, but is there brand recognition that will residually benefit us and stuff? But I will also say that Jimmy Humans was going all throughout New Jersey and texting me constantly throughout the season that he's turning leagues onto our product. And he created a couple of great relationships throughout his tenure as a sponsored player. We got way more out of our relationship with Jimmy Humans that people don't even know was happening than him wearing our gear. Although I very much appreciate a player of his caliber and exposure wearing our gear, make no mistake about it. But I don't know that there's an ROI um, to be had. So it happened over different levels with different players in different scenarios. I mean, um, we proudly represented and worked with Chris Tornatola and ultimately Carrie came with the package and the whole Wuhol empire was kind of a sponsorship. But Chris, Chris Tornatola was a sponsored pro and there's some great bang for the buck because you can't go anywhere without hearing about the wicked wash and all of the great publicity and great pushing. And and he's very proactive in endorsing and supporting. And I would say, um, you know, his TV or broadcast time is not really a factor or there. But what he did behind the scenes and the initiatives that he took were remarkable. I would say a positive ROI came from him. And I'd also like to say the same for Sean Farrell. Sean Farrell, by all measurements, a PDC player, if you will, not much broadcast time, but through the Cobra Kai entity and through his initiatives and his great his great wife, you know, supporting them and their, their incredible social media presence and initiatives and videos and and stuff. He was an ex- he was an extreme, extremely good representative of our brand. So speaking to that, I would say the behind the scenes value is more impactful on the ROI than the um, TV broadcast exposure or even great play. I mean, I had, you know, we've had we've had some players make some remarkable strides, have some remarkable exposure and opportunities, but all we kind of got was um, we got thanked along with their other nine or ten sponsors on a Facebook post. Right. You know, I love them. I'm glad to support yeah. their journey, but ROI, no, no, nobody's nobody's looking at us fourth on the list of I'd like to thank my sponsors. Um, and are we getting any ROI out of that? No, not at all. Um, and I also think, and this is rightfully so, the bag manufacturers, the bag sponsors way overshadow the board makers, if you will, or, you know, other cornhole yeah. companies. Uh, they get all the love um, and the players should give them all the love because uh, they're getting their biggest sponsorship dollars from them. Their product is in the spotlight because they're dangling their bag in every podium pick. They're wearing them proudly on the uniforms and their gear, and they're thanking them the most and taking the most initiatives because they're the biggest sponsor. So being being second or third in line isn't 
isn't that great. But I understand because I'm not going to pay five figures um, to outdo a bag sponsor. The bag sponsor will always win. Yeah, so, that was my, my, my thought with that too is that, you know, these guys, some of them are carrying around 10, 10 sets of bags, right? So it's easier for a player to go out and spend 60, 80 bucks, 100, 100 bucks on a set of bags. They're not going to carry around a Zuka full of boards. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's easy for them to, to latch on to a, a bag manufacturer and maybe they have four out of their five models or whatever it is that they're carrying around with them and throwing and to to be able to to showcase that a little more than it is a, a set of beast boards or quadzillas you know that I, so I, I definitely get that get where you're coming from on that angle yeah, yeah. and that's always been my kind of feedback and reaction on the sponsors is the real value is for the bag makers because that's the only thing that you can really tie to a well-known player so the bag makers benefit from the high level of play more than any other kind of sponsor like nobody sees tony smith and says oh his apparel sponsor is Sparky Apparel, so I want to go buy a T-shirt from them now. It's I want to throw contraband because he's throwing those bags. And the same thing back in the day with Hisner and Henderson throwing local bags and put them on the map because everyone knows they're throwing local bags. Nobody knows what kind of boards you're throwing on. Like Bruce said, you just kind of list in the sponsors on Facebook posts and social media. So it's tough to to really stand out. And on, it's almost similar to like a local business sponsor in a Little League team. You're doing it to help them, but you're not really getting anything out of it yourself other than your name being on the list of 20 sponsors. Um, and it's not quite at the level of the other major sports like the Red Sox. You can't you probably can't list 10 of their sponsors. They have hundreds of sponsors. Can you list 10 right now? But they're going to continue to pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions to get that deal because there's the give and take there where they're a sponsor. They get suites, they get tickets, they get all this all this bonus stuff where in cornhole, there's nothing there just yet to really benefit the sponsor other than trying to get an ROI, which you said really isn't there other than bag makers and a select few companies and then brand recognition, but you can't really value brand recognition. It's just like uh donating stuff for, for awareness and marketing, which sorry, but not many landlords take brand recognition for rent. And those are all excellent points. And I, I wish to just add another Another dimension to this this sponsorship thing, <clears throat> I only took players from the Northeast because my vision of an ROI or supporting sponsors or, or making sure there was something that, or supporting players as a sponsor, I should say, um, <clears throat> it more so involved the local scene. And to me, nothing is cooler than seeing the Northeast top people and top players at an event, at a conference, or or at a regional, or in the podium picks at these events with Wicked Cornhole gear, and you know, even though we're a national company and and we provide our equipment and we ship and we do everything the nationals uh, people do, much like this podcast, we are focused mostly on the Northeast to claim our our, our region that we stand behind. So. Most of the sponsorship concept was more so not getting breaking into the national scene, but to have the endorsement of the finest players who are also great people on the local scene. So when they're going to their clubs, their leagues, they're going to the, the conference and the regionals in the area, I, I do want to be the top cornhole company and supplier in the Northeast, which happens to be the conference and it breaks over into Pennsylvania. But that's that's our goal as a company. You know, we can take over the country and the world a little later. So I will say that that mission has been accomplished. Um, I just don't think it needs to cost as much. 
especially when we have such an army of, I'm going to call them fans or supporters, but Stacy would agree. There's just, there's people that are absolutely amazing um, when it comes to supporting us, whether it be on social media or at events or continuously buying our products. So I don't know that I necessarily had to buy the love of, of, of so many people and so many players. It might've already been there. So ROI, no, it's not worth it is the conclusion. There is no ROI. If and when we continue to support players, um, it's time to really bump up their actual value and and take a look at it that way. I, I'd love to support as many players as possible and do our small part, but I, I'm not I can't play big money sponsor in a world where the bag makers already own that and own all the love. I just, there's no ROI there. I'm looking at the top 14 right now that finished in the conference this year. And I think eight of them are Wicked Cornhole kind of sponsored players or have ties with Wicked Cornhole. So, Well, do me a favor and let's semi-switch subjects. Who are those top players? Because I'll tell you something, Sean. I've been hearing it from a lot of people about how proud and excited they are to have made the top 100 in the conference. And I've mm-hmm. met a few disappointed people. The top 100 is has become quite coveted. So you want to release, um, so you have the top 10 in the conference? Sure. So yeah. uh, obviously number one, Tony Smith. And then we have uh, a Jimmy Humans. That's a wicked, wicked player there. Uh, three, Brady Foster. Four, Mark Burgess. And one of the guys that to me is like, yeah. At, you know, the, as long as he's been in the game and to kind of, you know, short time being a pro for him to kind of crack the top four. And I've seen him at some of the national events where he and Steve DeRicke are just hanging in there, right? They're, they're, they're there late in tournaments. So they've had a great season. Mark Burgess to me is, uh, you know, obviously we know how good he is, but to, to see him uh, battle it out against some of these pros and make a statement, that's huge for him. So Mark Burgess, fifth, you got Jacob Trzinski. We've all seen him on ESPN and, and partnering up with Tony, and you know that that's they're they're calling them the uh, top doubles partner in the world right now. Um, then six, you got Cam D'Ambrosio. He had that great run at the Open and Rhode Island, right? Is that the one that he ended yeah. up winning that one? Yeah, he's yeah. a top singles. Storm Hogue seventh, and I guarantee if you ask Storm Hogue how his season went, he wouldn't be happy. I don't think he played well this season. And still ended up cracking the top seven and the top 100. Frank Verona, kind of the new kid. Uh, you know, he's been traveling a lot there out of New York. He's one of the guys that you're going to have to look forward to if you had a, a most improved player of the year or kind of someone from the Northeast that's kind of made a statement. Frank Verona is one of them. I know he plays a lot at Wuhol. So uh, he made eight. Nick Petusky, another one we've had on the podcast. I believe he's another wicked. He is absolutely that player. Yeah, yeah, we got Nick Petusky nine, and then you got Sean Farrell, the sensei. He beat out the sensei by one spot. So Sean Farrell tenth. We all know what Sean with the Cobra Kai and 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 kind of going to all these European uh, ACL events and, and kind of making a statement there. Uh, then you have Nathan Mitod, another one that's up and coming out of New York. He finished 11th. And then uh, Zach Stickney, we'll put, throw him in there as 12th, uh, New Hampshire's top finisher. He was the number one uh, player um, in New Hampshire and uh, Wicked Cornhole Zone. So, and just a couple more spots below him. We have an- another Wicked sponsored player, uh, Tornado. So he was 14th and 13th was Trey Baker out of Maine. So definitely out of those top 14, uh, eight of those were Wicked Cornhole sponsored players. Yeah. And I'd like to go back to Mark Burgess. I didn't mention him during my my. ROI um, summary. He's another 
unique situation. First of all, he's a great brand ambassador, um, always wearing Wicked and always talking us up. <clears throat> but Mark Burgess, in a way, his ROI is a little different because he's been supporting us for years. Long When he was playing at a campground and when he was setting up his amazing home court and everything else, he has spent more money and sent more more people our way indirectly than maybe any other individual in our history. So um, we were very proud, are, we are very proud to represent him and also just his amazing progress. I mean, he runs his own business, much like Sensei Farrell, and commits the time, does the hours, has a family. He, he does it all and works hard. And for him, would you say he took the fourth? Um, yeah, he was the fourth, fourth spot. Yep. That's he nudged awesome. out Jacob Draczynski. You know what I mean? So, and that's as amazing. Many times as we've seen Jacob on the main stage, uh, Mark Burr just beat him up by one point. So, Mark had 4,968 points, and Jacob had 4,967. And again, running these national events, I've seen Mark and uh, and Steve DeRicky there at the end at a few events, you know, late within the, the final, you know, top maybe seven or eight. That's a huge run when you're dealing with 256 or not that many pros uh, teams, but when you're dealing with that many pros, sure, you know, to be able to make it that far is a is a huge testament to him. Yeah, well, I wonder. I hope all the rookies get a, get another chance to um, to come back. I don't know what the final decisions are going to be or how that's going to go. But talking to like Zach Stickney and stuff. I mean, Zach Stickney put in the travel. He put in the hours. Um, he had a he had some. I'm going to call them health issues, um, and and it affected his, his concentration and stuff for a while. So he had a little bit of a bumpy ride on the performance level. But, you know, he was just saying the other day how much he's learned and realized. And I just think that rookie year, you don't, you shouldn't get a free pass, I mean, you know, to, to get on to a, a sophomore year. But that once you get that under your belt, I'd be very curious to, to see what, what these this year's rookies are going to do that committed all the time and, and did all those those hours and all of those events and the national travel. I mean, I don't know that Stickney missed an event. He traveled the world. Um, I don't know what his final ranking is going to be, but I would expect a massive second-year performance out of a lot of the rookies after they've had a chance to cut their teeth. And, yeah, and Zach forward. found his way onto a, um, you know, a, a cornhole team too, like the pro teams. He found his way onto one of those as well. So he got that experience too, uh, yeah. kind of mixing it up with uh, some of those other pros that he might not always get the opportunity to throw with. So I think that's a huge value and experience uh, in that regard. And again, I mean, for having an off season, he still finished 12th in the conference. So definitely put yeah. the work in. And took first in Paris. I mean, who can say that? Yeah. So yeah, just it's, be interesting. Uh, It'll be next year, next year will be very interesting with all the changes you're teasing us with, and and see who comes up and see who goes down, and it'll be very interesting and see what sponsorship deals happen. Right, you know, really across the board. I I I I'd like to think I'm speaking on behalf of all non-bag sponsors in terms of evaluating that because it's all new territory for everybody. Um, you know, one observation that I can make is that our I'm going to call them our older players. Um, you know, I mentioned Farrell, Tornatola, Burgess, and you know, even even humans. He's not an old older man, but he's um, he's been around the block a little bit. They they know what to do and how to do it, and and how to how to really be a solid sponsored player for someone. Where I think you know it's a little overwhelming and challenging for some of these younger rookies 
to to really do what they've got to do as players and then learn how to balance properly their expectations as as being sponsored and and the things that they can do to um to continue those sponsorships so i hope they they learn a lot and i hope they get the support that they need going forward but they're going to definitely have to learn how to play the game and i don't mean cornhole i mean representing a brand but Definitely yeah, going back you know. to the top 100. How's like 75 to 85 look? Who are those kind of players? <laughs> let's see, 75. Let's see here. Out of a hat, some numbers, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I see Mike Marcellinus there at 80th, just got beat up by Matt Emery. Yeah, one point. <laughs> all those, all those local nights that I mean, him just started messing around. I should have taken more serious, right? <laughs> Definitely Ooh. a lot of fun, and we'll see how that all kind of progresses in the future, but for sure. Definitely the top 100 people are excited to be a part of that. And there is some so controversy. Michael, I've seen our friend uh, Timmy Timmy Fullcourt on there kind of stirring the pot a little bit about He's got that. a couple thoughts on the top 100. <laughs> what were you going to say, Stacey? I was wondering if Mike's going to be playing in the um, the top 100 tournament. I, I'm planning to. So it's, of course, it's September 9th, which is one of our busiest days of the year event-wise. I think we have four or five events booked. Um, right now, it looks like I'm going to be able to. I think we have enough coverage from directors to cover them all. So I'm planning to make it. Um, not expecting much of a show and being in that kind of pool of talent, but I'll go. Just It'll be fun. Get my jersey, my free $2,000 jersey. Well, the whole point, too, of the top 100 that we kind of aim for this year, uh, Dustin Arnold's going to help me run that on Saturday. We're going to run the uh, guaranteed blind draw that we have to run, and we're going to run the pro qualifier. But then on Sunday... Woohole is going to take over and run like a singles and, and doubles type event. But our, our thought was it's not fun really to do a top 100 and then do doubles, right? Because then everyone's got to scramble to find someone in the top 100 to do doubles. So our initial thought is let's do, let's have the doors open at 10, 11 o'clock. We show up, let's do a blind draw crew cup. Let's take the top 100, throw everybody in a hat, pick crew cup like a blind draw style. And that way you never know who you're going to get mixed up with. Follow that up with a the guaranteed blind draw. And then maybe in the evening do um, the pro qualifier. That way it's not kind of a, people aren't hustling to put together a doubles team or no one wants to face off against uh, Tony and Jacob, or maybe they do. But I mean, that that's not my idea of the top 100 should be a celebration. It should be a fun time. We should just all be there. Like Mike said, you get your jersey um, and just kind of network with fellow top 100. So let's let's kind of make it more of a, blind draw style you know you don't know who you're going to get mixed up with and kind of have some fun with it on that regard and then come sunday you can play singles and doubles that woohole will uh, offer that as to as well so we're going to maybe try something new this year but we'll see how it works out and sunday is going to be open to anyone right that's not going to be a top 100 only as far as i know yes yeah, sunday will be open to anyone and woohole will promote that further but uh, for the specific top 100 events we're going to run what I have to, which is the guaranteed blind draw. And I'll know the money that's going to be in there, hopefully within a few weeks. And then um, the pro qualifier. And then just to kind of mix it up a little bit, we're talking about doing a, a blind draw crew cup style event. That's brilliant. The blind draw crew cup is brilliant, if you ask me. So. I, I just, no one wants to, to have to hustle to try to find a doubles partner, right? And you're going to get a top 100 doubles. You know, Tony and Jacob are going to show up and then everyone's going to try to angle themselves to win but if you do a blind draw style crew cup then we may do acl swap and then take the standings from that and and put the crew cups together i'm not sure we're gonna we're gonna figure that out but we'll have some fun with it nice yeah i like that that's that's different like you said it's more of a celebration than just showing up to do another regional and everyone's right. gonna kind of fall in where they normally do anyway exactly i know tony and be, uh, yeah. tony and jacob would be the the favorites 
I guess. I, I mean, rightfully so. But it, you name some real powerhouses in that top ten. There's, there's not a, there's, you don't think there's another team that would, would give them a run. Oh, I there? think anyone could for sure. I mean, you even go down to look at names, you know, all the way down to top 60, 70. And there's guys in there. I mean, you know, um, Emily Downers ranked 43rd, right? And you got, you got guys all throughout there. Um, Colin Hodad, 20th. I mean, Tyler Lugo, 21st. There's any, Arthur, Arthur's 30th. There's any number of players in that top 100 that could uh, get put on a team and make a good run. For sure. Well, I'm even thinking like a Burgess and Derricky could could raise some hell. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, and you got Jimmy Humans in the Northeast. I mean, him yep. and him and the you know the one popping in my head is like a D'Ambrosio or a Petusky or a Farrell. I, I don't know. Yeah. I for just, sure. Uh, but de- definitely Tony and Tony and Jacob are the are the top two obvious ones. Um, my thought is, if we do have, if we do host like a doubles, then once there's probably out of the, if everyone showed up out of the fifty teams, there's probably eight at the most that would have a chance to win. I think, just my honest opinion. I mean, I guess anyone could win on any given day, but I think I'd say that's even a generous the, number. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, look so at conferences. Kinda, every time it's Tony and Jacob cruising through for the most part. Right. Uh, I think to make it more of a kind of a wild card, sign up as a single and we'll put you in a bunch of events. We'll have a good afternoon. I think that would be the way to go. And then we'll see what happens next year going forward. And that's going to be at, at the schoolyard, right? Yep. We'll be back at the schoolyard again. They were um, you know, generous enough last year to have us in there and we had a lot of fun. So hopefully the jerseys will be in on time this year and we'll see what happens. But yep, we'll be back at the schoolyard for that. And then we're already excited to have our conference dates booked in for next year. So if anyone says that they need uh, time to kind of make plans and stuff, we've already got those locked in. So we're kind of feel like we're ahead of the game at this point. And we're going to work with Bloom uh, Media to cover the whole series. We're going to be looking for sponsors. We're, instead of doing individual event sponsors, we're going to look for a whole season worth of sponsors. Whatever Flume Media comes out with their setup and 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 system, you know, we're going to have sponsors that are going to follow them. So whenever a Flume Media production happens for Cornhole in the Northeast, those sponsors are going to be um, tied into that. And we're going to have uh, two announcers that are locked in. We have the same announcers at every event. And we're going to kind of treat it like a kind of a series, like the the, the guys who are announcing are going to get to see these guys play at both conferences. That'll help them with their broadcast skills because they'll know the players. And I think it'll just make a good product, um, especially for the Northeast to be able to have that uh, between the sponsorship, um, you know, backing and uh, the same commentators that are going to follow around the crew. I think it'll be a great, great addition. Do you have those commentators chosen yet? We do. Yeah. Yep, locked in. Joe Shaka, and then we have another uh, non-cornhole guy, but he's a announcer in the Northeast, Adam Reitzma. We're going to bring him on board. So the two of them are going to be like a kind of a duo that are going to follow around Flu Media and call um, hopefully both conferences this year. One's in Utica, New York, and one's in Bedford, New Hampshire. And then Sorry. obviously there'll be there'll be spots for you know guest announcers to jump in at each different uh, venue as well. So I've been fired. No, you're not fired. You'll be in Bedford. Oh. You, you and Joe, and <laughs> it'll be it'll be, it'll be a three headed monster. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Those two will be going to all of them, and then whatever else, like you wanted to go to, whatever you're more than welcome to sit down with them. But we figured we'd have at least two guys that were um, guaranteed to go to each. I understand. Should be I'm fun. Sorry. Looking forward to it. Are you going to do that for any regionals or anything, or is that just a conference and state? Mostly, mostly conference state. Um, if it made sense to do it at a regional, we could. Um, we know that Flume isn't cheap, so but yeah. you know it, it'll if have we to be a enough, uh, September October regional when people are chasing points and 
right? And They're I mean, maxing if we could out get, with 80 teams. If we could get sponsorships, I mean, we could roll that into who's to say we couldn't do conference one, conference two, pro qualifier, uh, draft wars, uh, turf wars. Who's to say that we couldn't put together like a whole thing? You know what I mean? Like we'll kind of all work together. I know we could, we got some big events that we've talked about, uh, you know, bringing back on. Obviously, turf wars, always a big one, squad wars. Uh, who's to say that uh, we couldn't wrap that whole thing into one big package? This is true. Speaking of which, we've got to schedule squad wars now that the ACL season is winding down and the fall's headed our way. We'll talk about that more next episode, but we're going to promise our listeners that we're going to have some more information and maybe a date booked. Mm -hmm. But um, the schedule conflicts are just unreal. Wicked Cornhole events is blowing up off the charts um, on the, you know, on the recreational and fundraising level. And ACL is, there never seems to be a break in the ACL. As a matter of fact, Sean, you you said you've got your um, your two conferences nailed. Is the ACL release a schedule? Are they going to surprise you with a <laughs> with an open the same weekend? And well, the the one in December for Utica, there is a open scheduled for now in Richmond, Virginia. But again, it's it's like they're always changing, so it's hard to tell. But what we need to do up here in the Northeast with Dustin and myself is we need to book our our venues first and then kind of ask questions later. I mean, obviously we don't want to go head to head with them, but uh, we, you know, we, we really need to nail down these uh, facilities. I mean, November is going to be here before you know it, December um, here it is, you know, we're talking coming into August. so that's August, September, October, November, like these venues need two or three months lead time, um, you know, to be able to book. So that one, we may be going head to head with an open Um, the one in January right now, or sorry, the one in, um, in Bedford right now, it looks like it's open on the schedule. There's nothing going on that weekend. So hoping for the best. Yeah, I understand how it can go. So, I mean, here we are, we're, we're heading off to worlds right next week. And then next thing you know, you're, you know, worrying about the top 100 and then you, before you know it, you're four weeks away from the start of the season again. So you're right. There's not a lot of downtime. Well, don't forget Spencer McKenzie's every, everybody's exactly. going 3000 miles West for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Never ends. No, for Never sure. Ends. So I guess we have more or less an announcement on the Wicked Cornhole event side, speaking of tournaments and cornhole events. Um, so Wicked Cornhole has basically decided to split up um, into two entities. And because basically we, we've been running two separate businesses. And one has been, of course, Wicked Cornhole, the the board manufacturer and and the cornhole equipment supplier. And then we've had Wiki Cornhole Events. Events was started years ago, eight years ago, not as its own entity, but as a concept to promote um, Wiki Cornhole. We were doing events at the time for little to nothing for promotional value with the opportunity to sell some boards at a table. And it was Stacy and I just traveling all over in the back of my pickup truck with boards and then it evolved into something where we had a couple more people come on and we took michael on to work with us at the shop and then he became an incredible event director we've had joe o'leary on board but things have become so incredibly busy on the fundraising and corporate event side and community events and backyard parties and everything else we've built quite a reputation which we're proud of and we're booking in crazy ways so we're forming a separate entity that's dedicated to events and michael marcellinus has been asked to be my partner in that 
and he is exclusively dedicating 100% of his life to Wicked Cornhole events. And he's working with all of our clients and we're meeting regularly to improve our process. We've hired and trained a team of directors that we've expanded. So all the way up to north of Bangor, Maine, down to Connecticut and Rhode Island, we have a network of directors that we're developing to run our events. So it's, it's quite exciting for us. Mike, would you agree that uh, your life has changed a little bit in the past couple of months? Yeah. Yeah, it's been uh, crazy. Like you said, I was, I was fired from Wicked Cornhole. So yep. had to let you go. Wait, still waiting on that severance package, but I guess that got <laughs> lost in the mail. Um, and then, yeah, transitioned over to just full-time events, which looking back on, I don't know how, how I survived last year doing what was supposed to be 40 hours a week in the store on top of all these events, which ended up probably being 25, 28 hours a week plus events. Um, and now I'm still losing my mind just doing events alone. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're getting inquiries left and right. We're doing events left and right. I think last year we were just under 150 events total. This year, we're definitely going to break that number and probably come close to two either this year or next year. Um, and like I said, we brought on a, some uh, some new team members. Um, so it's since I've been on, it was you, me, Joe O'Leary. We're kind of the, the first three. Sean did a bunch of events for us. Um, Sean McCann and Amy. We're working with uh, Erica Martinage out of New Hampshire. She's been great. She's doing her first event herself this weekend. She's awesome. Um, I've yeah. had I've had Matt Andrews, Matt Emery, Joe Merrill come along and and help and train a little bit, and hopefully we'll get them back out on the road a little bit more. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been a crazy time. Um, cornhole tournaments are definitely taking off. It's starting to run into its own problems though, kind of like the leagues started to with oversaturation. I think fundraisers are starting to get to that point, um, but it's kind of that natural ebb and flow of a new a new idea. A lot of people are booking events. A lot of them are struggling and probably won't do it again, but a lot of them are thriving. So I think it's going to kind of be this year, next year will be crazy busy on everyone. Then I think it's going to kind of drop down a little bit and it's going to be a few less tournaments in the future, but more successful ones. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's been an exciting time when we're, we're investing not just time, but a lot of money into uh, all the equipment and really up in our game even more than we have been. Um, so everyone that's come out to our tournaments has commented on our setup and loved it. I ran one last night with a bunch of principals and assistant principals, and they all absolutely loved it. And I think we're going to get a lot of school events out of it in the next year or two, just from yesterday. So I'm definitely excited to uh, partner up with Bruce and really kind of grow the events business more than it is, because it's it's really just been a word of mouth kind of business from from everything. It's people run an event, they show up and love it, or their friend runs it and they refer it. Um, and now trying to get more into an active push and really grow grow what we can do for cornhole in the northeast is is exciting i agree and i think i think one of the things well there's a lot we've learned along the way and one of the things that i don't think a lot of people realize is that if you're going to run a successful event the event itself is the easy part um like a lot of other things in this world it's preparation that makes an event successful so We've learned, Mike and I in particular together, and, and Stacy along the way has learned that there's an extraordinary amount of hours counseling the clients, helping plan, helping promote and guide them, venues, um, getting things situated with the venues and, and all of that other stuff that really makes for a successful event. As a matter of fact, um, I just got off the phone about two hours ago with an annual client of ours out of Grafton, Massachusetts. And when their first event happened in five five years ago, 
Um, this will be their fifth year, fifth year um, coming up in October. So four events ago, it was something like 44 teams. Then it skyrocketed to 100 in year two. Then it was like 120 in year three. And last year they had 160 teams. And I've talked about this particular event before. We go down there to work it. And other than seeing these players from the year before, we don't know these players. This is a community in Grafton, Massachusetts that pulls together for a scholarship fund for, for somebody that um, a, a, a pillar of the community that, that had passed away five years ago. And they keep rallying sponsors from the community and they keep rallying players and participants to the point where he called me to say that he might be looking at 200 teams this year and it's all community based. And I mentioned that because that is what Wicked Cornhole is trying to build with all of its clients. And it's it's all at the end of the day, it's up to the effort of the, the client. We can guide you and and point you in the right direction. We can provide you with the promotional materials and we can certainly make sure that your event has all of the audio services and the cornhole equipment and and a well-formatted bracket that will customize to accommodate your event. We'll do all those great things. But at the end of the day, it's what's done to prepare the event and promote it and assure these people a good time. So in our minds, we're not we're not tapping into the same player pool when we're when we're running events because we're encouraging our clients. Corporate events are easy. It's just the employees of that company. But on these fundraising events and community events, we're trying to build a book of clients that are prepared to put the work in themselves and have a successful event and make it big without recycling the same players that we all know and love from our cornhole community. We do invite them. When it's a high priced event, we do invite these players to come out when, when our clients want to offer a competitive bracket. So I'm not saying we're removing ourselves from the scene where it's where it's the regular players. But you know, we want we want to up our game with with more higher level clients and situations that will ensure a successful event. And we're willing and capable to put in the hours before the event. So, you know, to anybody who doesn't understand why we might be priced a little higher and a little more refined than than the others that are running events, it's because we do that, our back end. And, and we have a tremendous amount of resources and a tremendous amount of staff and, and man hours and woman hours put into preparing for the event. So if you think it's just a five-hour gig where you pop in, set up, go home um, from the cornhole tournament itself, there's much more that comes before and after if it's going to be successful. So that we like to call the wicked cornhole difference. And, you know, there's been, it's funny, and Mike, you can attest to this, there's a bunch of people that call us high priced. Somebody even put a comment um, on the main events cornhole page last night. I won't say any names, but uh, he was a bit of a dink about it. But, um, you know, why pay twice as much money or whatever? Well, you're going to get twice as much from us. And if you want to be a director for us, you'll get paid as a director for directing the event. But that back-end work is way more than you think. And that back-end investment um, is way more than you might think as well. But Mike, you've, you've heard both ends of the spectrum. Some some people call us underpriced for what we, we put through. And Yeah, I was going to say, I've actually heard 
I mean, you hear the Facebook bitching and people talking behind your back saying that it's overpriced. Um, I won't name any names, but there are there are other leagues out there that I know that run events and they charge double what we charge. Um, and they don't have a shortage of people booking them. Um, some of them put on just as good or close to an event as ours. Some of them are are not. It's a lot less equipment, less organization. Um, I mean, I did an event this month and the client who hired us came up to me and he said, hey, do you know that you're way undercharging for what you do? He's like, this is so awesome. And it's not even a doubt in my mind that I'm going to do it again. He's like, you should be charging a lot more than this. I'm like, no, I agree. Like based on compare, like there are some people out there who run a tournament for three, 400 bucks, which those are a lot of smaller leagues and they rely on the competitive players and things like that. And they're not bringing the kind of equipment that, that we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, on prime day for the people that say we're overpriced, we, we spent more than enough to buy a quality used car in equipment just for tournaments, whether it be sound computers, just cabling that we need to, to make us more accessible for events and run a better, smoother event. So, I mean, there is a ton of money invested in there, a ton of time invested, um, and similar. So you were talking about the Grafton event. I did one on, on Cape Cod a couple of weeks ago, um, in Katuit small little village on the Cape. They had 60 teams show up on a Friday. Check-in was at like three bags were at four. So this was a daytime event on a weekday. They turned people away. All I heard was they were like, yeah, people were coming in the library for the past three weeks saying Wicked Cornwall is going to be here. I need to be here just for that. I've heard so much about them. Um, everyone had a great time. They had end up having like 10 sponsor sets. We ran it in, in a little grass area by the library. It was a fundraiser for the library. So it's not like it was a, a deep heartfelt someone passed away or anything. It was a fundraiser for the public library in the town. Someone told me like, I think every single person that lives in the village is here right now. It was like the biggest thing to come to that town. They asked next year if we could run two tournaments on one day just to make sure because they turned so many people away. I got an email afterwards, like a week later, that people are still buzzing about it. All everyone's talking about is where you got the cornhole tournament and we can't wait to do it again. Maybe do a couple a year. Um, first prize in that event was two medals. They got a first place medal. And then they ordered a trophy from us with their names that they're going to hang in the library for the year as bragging rights. Um, as far as people we knew there, the team that won it was Jason Warren, good friend of ours, big supporter. He's come out to our events. Um, he won it. And then there was one other guy I knew there, Chris Soprenant, used to be from Connecticut. Now he plays in New Hampshire and he's in 603, plays around here. Other than that, it was all mostly locals, people who either play Cornell very rarely or never at all. But they had such a good time. They raved about it. And I'm still getting emails from that event saying what an awesome event it was. And they can't wait to do it again. So like I said, those those small community events where people are coming together and not relying on the competitive players to fund it. And they're playing for nothing. Like they paid 60 bucks a team and first place got a couple medals and a bragging rights trophy to hang in the library. And no one complained. They all had a blast and can't wait to do it again where then you see some other tournaments where people they're paying out $500 and people are complaining because third place doesn't get enough or something like that. So it's, there's all different, all different types of events and reactions on the spectrum, but those community events have become by far the best and the, my favorite ones to work. Some of the corporate ones are awesome too. Like there's not a lot of talent there. People have no idea what they're doing, but they're having a blast and they love it. And that's, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it is well said. And that's what I love about it all is just kind of blazing that trail and, and making it different and making it special. And like you kind of pointed to in the beginning there, Mike, it's it's the people that aren't in the cornhole family that seem to have the most appreciation because it's new and exciting to them and it's in their comfort zone. And and I of all people love our cornhole family. 
But like any other family, including my own, there are a couple of shitheads. Uh, and I was just kind of reflecting. I'm like, you know, you know, if if I know a thousand people, no one love a thousand people in this phone hole community, you know, I can name 10 people that I'd like to punch in the throat. Um, so <laughs> we're going to call it a 99% awesome rate. But usually the people that are busting my balls about donations or about our pricing or about our product or, or how something is going, um, you know, are, are are from the regular player com- community, the, the dinks as we call them. Whereas on the flip side, when you're bringing something fresh and new to somebody and, and allowing them to come up through as a backyard player in a, in a special event, the amount of appreciation that we're given for doing that and the amount of reward there is to that is really what keeps me going with it. It's just, I love, don't get me wrong, I love running into the players and the familiar faces and the, and the family as we know it, but, but bringing, bringing joy and excitement to a bunch of strangers is, is where I get my kicks with all of this. Yeah, and I mean, it, at all these either corporate events or social events, the amount of people that walk in and they kind of freeze and you hear their reaction like, oh shit, this is, this is crazy. Or this is legit. Like I was expecting just a couple boards and bags set up and we're going to play like they're, they're blown away a lot when they walk in. And then, like I said, was, as we're breaking down these events, I, I feel like prom queen. It's just everyone is coming up to me as I'm walking through carrying equipment saying, this is amazing. You guys are awesome. We need to do this again. Like you ran such a good tournament. It it's they're They're so appreciative of it. I, I was trying to load up the truck yesterday. I had three people stop me for like 20 minutes and I'm holding a set of boards, walking into the box truck and they're just asking questions. How often do you do this? Will you come do it at our place? What's it cost? Like, this is a no brainer. We need to do it. People are still blown away that it's a full-time company. People are like, this has to be just a side thing. Like, nope. This is enough that I had to stop doing my full-time job to make this a new full-time job. So yeah, that's, you were spot on Bruce. The, the social tournaments and the competitive or the corporate players are so appreciative of it. They're so blown away by it. I mean, the competitive players are probably just used to it. Like they, they play corn all the time. They know what it's about, but all these new players coming in, they just can't stop raving about the experience. Yeah, I love it. And with that, I do want to throw a shout out to a couple of other new directors that we've taken on that have changed my life. Cause it's no secret that I favor the events in Maine. We have so many events in Maine. I think we have um, nine of them lined up for August alone, uh, which is great. But I have brought Kenneth Williamson from High Flyers Cornhole, and we now have a great connection with Mike Clement up from Bangor area. Um, he's been coming to our events for years now. Love the guy. And when we first put out the call for for directors, um, both Kenneth and Mike answered separately and responded and wanted to learn how to hold a Wicked Cornhole event. And now between them both, they've probably done about eight of them, Stacey, eight or nine. Probably, yeah. And they are rock they stars. They're rock stars. Uh, yeah, they make a great team. Yeah, and I'm very grateful to have them in our lives. Now we can divide and conquer. You know, funny thing is on August 18th, which happens to be my birthday, we have two events in Maine, and uh, they'll be able to go work, work each of them, and we can just keep going. So having reliable directors that do things the wicked way, as I like to call it, is just life-changing. And, and like I'd like to thank both Mike and Ken up here in Maine. I say up here in Maine because Stacey and I are in Maine right now, by the way, um, at the Wicked Cornhole North Studios. 
But so shout out to them. And if you do want to be a tournament director, if you, you know, we're learning that you folks that run leagues out there and already know the drill, um, you make the perfect director for our events. So, you know, we we do all of the management, we do all of the client handling, we we do all the preparation and everything for the event. And then we're sending our directors off to do what they do best. And that's that's run a really groovy cornhole tournament. And we're building a network all throughout New England. So if you want to join the Wicked Cornhole events team, then just reach out to Mike or I. Um, we've already, Mike's named a bunch. I named a bunch. We already have a great team of players and you can't have too many. There's, um, there's a little bit of a void up in Vermont. Um, we could use a little help in the Connecticut area. We're working with some folks um, out in Western Mass. Maine is is uh, getting well covered, but uh, what would you say? Northern New Hampshire, Vermont, you know, we would welcome. Yeah, or even, even in Mass. And just to add on that, Yes. Uh, yeah, we need while, more masks. While league directors are great, you don't have to be a league director to do it. Nope. Um, we're if you're looking for something fun to do, and even if you're think that you might not be great at it, just reach out to us. We'll be happy to talk to you. We're not going to send you out on your own. You're going to do a couple of events with us. You'll you'll tag along. You'll see what we do. We'll make sure you know everything. Um, at the end of the day, you're representing us, so we're not going to send you out there if you're not 100 percent confident and capable. Um, I mean, like Erica never ran a league. She she ran tournaments in the backyard and stuff, and she's worked out awesome. She's been great, and we've had I've worked a few events with her and had great feedback from the players and organizers. So you don't have to be a league organizer, and sometimes it's actually better if you're not. Even if you don't know Scoreholio, we'll teach you. It's it's not super hard to learn, but if it's something you might be interested in, definitely let us know, and we'll be happy to work with you. That's a good point. You, you definitely don't have to be a league director. Um I know a lot of league directors are also tied into their own sponsors and their own ways and their own schedules. So um, if you are one and do want to join the family, you're certainly welcome to, but you're right. You bring up Erica and even Mike Clement. Yeah. So Mike was never a league director, but he uh, he's been crushing it and he's ready to go. I think a Ken, Ken Williamson with high flyers though, on the you know, other example, he's just a rock star as well. So yeah. And Joe, Joe Boldick, I don't think we've mentioned him, but he, does Joe he run Boldick. a league? Yeah, absolutely. He He's, helps out. He helps with Infamous Six Hundred Three, right? Well, the, the Infamous Six Hundred Three is made of four four directors, and he's yeah. very much one of them. And the great the great Sean McCann and Amy, who helps him out sometimes, out of three one three. Sean's been with us for two seasons now, and he's an absolute rock star. So yeah. you know, it can go either way. Definitely, if you if you want to learn how to be one, we'll teach you. We'll provide the equipment and everything, but. You know, it's fairly flexible. If you can take the gig, great. If you can't, then we'll give it to someone else. Or Mike and I will certainly do it. But. Yep. And if you're afraid to uh, get on the microphone, we have some people that don't want to run their own events. But when we have those big events where, like Bruce said, we're having 100, 200 teams, we need to send an extra person just to help set up boards, walk the field, help help explain Scoreholio or use the tablets with people. We're, we're always looking for helpers too. So if you want to come along and you're afraid to speak on the microphone and kind of run the show we're always looking for people to just help set up break down and be there to help explain the game yeah which i'd like to direct the other part of this conversation to stacy who is the og the original helper or assistant or second one even though she got very good on the mic um she won't admit it but she could run an event if she wanted to but a lot of a lot of the reason starting this other entity and dividing the two was you know i, I personally am getting run ragged with two two different 
companies, if you will. And Stacy is, and it's no secret, Stacy's my business partner on the Wicked Cornell side. So she's been where you, Mike, have been focusing on the event side. Stacy's been putting in her 85 hours a week on the Wicked Cornhole side, and we've tried to alleviate the pressure of events from her. Um, she'll help us with some of the advertising. But Stacey, how are things going at Wicked Cornhole? How's your Wicked life? My Wicked life is awesome. Um, been up here in Maine for the last three weeks or so, which has been nice to work from up here. Um, yeah, just really trying to focus on some different Facebook advertising, Google ads, making some changes to our website. I'm just trying to streamline things. But um, if anybody is just getting back to the events, if anybody is interested in learning, being a helper is the easiest way to start. Um, I feel like you and I, Bruce, had a really good method down of setting up and like what I handled, what you handled. Um, And then, you know, when the main director is off getting a drink or something and you have to be on the mic, it is easy to jump on and and everybody's there to play cornhole. So they do want to listen to you and, and kind of pay attention. So um, it was a lot of fun. And I, now I just enjoy going and hanging out. So we enjoy having you there. <laughs> it's less tense. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, actually, uh, my dad tagged along and helped me out at an event this weekend. So he's never done it. He's played in a few events, but I was down in Connecticut visiting my family for the weekend with an event. And he he came along, he helped me set up, helped me get the tablets out there and just control the crowd of screaming 11-year-old football players running around with water balloons. Oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> and Ashley's helped you, Mike, right? Yep. Yeah, Ashley, uh, she helped a lot last year as an unpaid assistant. I paid her in food truck and drinks, uh, but <laughs> awesome. she's officially on payroll now this year, so... She's, she hasn't done as many this year as last year, but she came down to Mohegan Sun and set up the store and ran that for me and has been to a couple other ones. So she's a, deathly afraid of the mic, which is awesome because she has no problem grabbing two sets of beast boards and lugging them to the truck for me while I'm making announcements. So that's a that's a great asset to have. It must be. Stacey, you ever lug two sets of beast boards to the no, truck? No, no. <laughs> I try to do as little yeah. heavy lifting as possible I, now. I've given Ashley the option. I'm like, hey, if you just sit here, don't even make an announcement. But if people come up and ask questions, just answer them. And she's like, nope, I don't I don't know score hole. I don't know cornhole. I don't know the rules. I don't want to announce. I'll just start moving boards and she'll go out there and tear down two or three sets and bring them to the truck while I just sit there and make announcements and wait for any questions. Isn't it awesome removing 20 sets of beast boards from a field on a 90 degree day? There's nothing oh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday was brutal. Um, Erica was even saying, she's like, I, I don't usually complain and I don't get this hot, but God, we were uh, down in Plymouth right on the beach. So we right behind us was the ocean, which was an awesome venue, but we had to go out out of the truck, through a building, outside the building, down a ramp, down two stairs, into a little courtyard, and it was scorching hot. We were right in the sun. It uh it dehydrates you. I, I definitely don't drink enough water. Every, last year I learned my lesson and then this year I still haven't been drinking enough. But I feel like you can never bring enough water. I bring a cooler full to the top of water and before the tournament's even started, I'm out. Yeah, same here. That's why it's nice to have help. We don't want to run ourselves too ragged, right? Right. Yeah to circle back to getting old it's a it's a tough business my knee my knee feels like it's going to fall off walking up and down the box truck holding 70 pounds of boards each time so speaking of legendary event directors and the such sean 603 yes you you just did you just wrap up a season you're wrapping one up or we start uh, plus Playoffs tonight. Playoffs, our first round of the playoffs start tonight. So it should be interesting. We're going to see if the weather holds off, which 
Looks like it might, um, but we're planning on doing our first week of playoffs tonight. Should be fun. All right. Well, can you give us a lowdown and let's put the fifty bucks on um, on our on our teams, even though we haven't been right. able to follow the whole season. But what better time uh, than playoffs to see who's gonna who's gonna I take it? You, I can give you the first the top six teams, and we can go from there. So the the number one seed is going to be Arthur and Eric Daly. They're the two left hands. Uh, the second seed is Arthur's Uber. That's Peyton and Drevin. So Peyton Adams. Uh, the three seed is Ratherby Golfing. That's Alex Boulay and Lefty. Uh, the fourth seed is Poo Poo for two. That's Eli, <laughs> Eli Fowler and Bora. And the fifth seed is Hope You Like Blocks. That's Sammy Robinson and Keith. And then the sixth seed is Owen Five. That's Brad Hamblett and Owen, Owen Merrill. So and is that Keith? No Buxton? shortage of names. Keith Buxton? No, Keith, Keith um, from Lake City, uh, Lakes Region. Keith uh, Neiman. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yep. I had to think about that. But yeah, no shortage. And then, you know, from there, you got guys like, uh, you know, Derek and Chase and Jermaine or, or Twisted Shenanigans. They're like the nine seed. Heidi uh, and Ryan Godding, they're the seventh seed. So we got, you know, no shortage of names wow. that we're familiar with. Awesome. How many total yeah. teams did you have this time? We had 72. That's, that's awesome. So still I, pulling some decent numbers at AJ's outside on a Thursday night. I have to tell you, I miss you and I miss 603 a great deal. <laughs> I, if it was if it was remotely possible that I could make it up there and commit, I miss it so much. I love love six oh three at AJ's especially. It's just such a great yeah, time. Yeah, they, they they bought us a Reed's Ferry shed, so now we're operating out of a shed that's kind of the back of the parking lot. So that's where our director's table is now. So they were having problems with the pool table starting to bubble up with the humidity and that door being open, that big garage door. So they invested in a Reed's Ferry shed. So and obviously huge shout out Brian Roger. Uh, integral parts of 603 but shrek has stepped up the past two season and he's been running the table with us so it's almost a four-headed monster at this point and then obviously the halls are a big part they're helping us set up tear down run airmail last week we had over i think it was seven or eight thousand in airmail we paid out three bags guaranteed so we kind of drained a lot of that money out last week so it was it was a lot of fun and now that we're in the playoffs we're Hopefully going to wrap up the next two weeks. I won't be here the next two weeks. So those guys are going to have to run the championship and award the belt on their own. But um, this week will be my last week until we move on to the fall and do it again. So definitely looking forward to it. Is Brian, so Brian's back in full force this season? Yep. Brian's back. Good. Yep, Brian's Good. back. Roger's back. And then Shrek. And it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. So it's running a, a, a weekly, it's hard to get the weekly commitment with the players, but it's also hard with the directors too. Like you just talked about having a, a crew of directors that say, I can't make it one week. Then you got Roger and Brian and, and, you know, there's at least three or four of us that are there. And as always with the players, there's no shortage of players that are willing to grab a set of boards at the end of the night to bring them back to the shed or that type of thing. So it's really a great team effort. And that's what's kind of keeping 603 going with the strong numbers and people just having a lot of fun. That is very cool and very important. You know, I think of of infamous 603 comes to mind. That's a team of four that can have each other's back. I mean, if you're going to run a solid, steady league of any any sort, you, you do need a good team of directors, one or two people. That's tough. That's tough yeah, oh, yeah. to be consistent. And I, I give them a lot of credit. I'm not criticizing those that, you know, do it on their own. I, um, but it's tough. I know yep. that Candy LaFlam and, and Rich Daigle work hard over at Massholes. And and I wonder if they couldn't use a little bit of help. They do so much over on that end. And think of some of the others like Sean and Amy at, at 313. But I know they have a great, they have a great, you know, group of people that will help them. But really, if it's if it's a team 
it's a big difference. Um, huge. Yeah, huge. Especially if you're going to commit to every week. So, all right. So do we want to pick or is it a little too late or did you even remember? It's probably too late. We can, we can, yeah, once we get back into the groove of doing the podcast, I think we can kind of reload up for the fall league and kind of have some fun with it then. All right. So I'm going to look at the numbers. We'll release this episode and we'll see how many people missed us. Okay. Or even noticed us missing. But after two months break, which I know if we're going to run a good podcast, you're supposed to be consistent and all that. But it's just this podcast, I don't, we all agree. We don't want to just do it just to do it. I mean, it's just, right. it's got to be shit to talk about um, and stuff. And I just, uh, and content certainly hasn't been lacking the past two two months, but um, we're not going to be able to give give a quality podcast when we're all traveling or or ill or trying to get our new companies off the ground or any of that. So um, to those that missed us, I'm sorry we've been gone so long. Um, to those that didn't, you're welcome. Uh, but. <laughs> Probably a good time to land the plane. We could talk forever. We can't make up for two months in in a bunch of, you know, more than 90 minutes. So, or we can, but we don't want to. Uh, I would like to just two things I think we would be remiss in not acknowledging. Um, very sad news, which we all know about, but the chairman of the boards definitely um, want to express their condolences to the family, Cornhole family and the family of uh, Cody Pelletier. Um, that was very sad and sudden, and, and he certainly was a good dude, and that was a devastating loss to the family. And I, I just want to acknowledge that, that, um, that, Thoughts and prayers from from the four of us definitely are extended to the yep, family. Absolutely, always always sad to hear. Um, I'd like to swing this announcement up to kind of a happy thing, and I want to welcome Jermaine King back to the Northeast. Welcome home, Jermaine. A um, little bit of good news for the family. Uh, he went down to Florida for a while. I have not seen him personally yet, but I'm I'm happy to to have him back. You've been seeing him up at six oh three, right, Sean? Yeah, and the best part is I was finally able to unload that top 100 jersey that's been sitting in my garage for the past eight months. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's the last one I had, Jermaine yeah. Kings. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, he's been uh, probably the past three weeks, um, so it's good to see him back. So Excellent. Yep. All right, so going around the horn, Stacey, do you have anything to announce, discuss, complain about, commend, compliment, or ask? I got nothing. It was just great getting together with you guys. We missed each other, didn't we? I think we so. did. Yep. Sean, do you have anything you would like to add before the landing of the plane? Yeah, good luck to all of our Northeast players heading down to Worlds. I know Wednesday nights, the always polarizing Stevie Awards ceremony. I don't know if I'm in line to get anything, but I'm sure that there's a lot of players that are in the Northeast that are going to be in line for uh, recognition uh, that day. So good luck to them. Hopefully it works out well. And uh, big changes come in the ACL next season. I'll leave that as a cliffhanger here. And I'm going to say it every week until they release the news. But some of the changes that are coming are going to blow your mind. So uh, let's can't wait to break that on the chairman of the boards as soon as I'm allowed to. Okay, well, do this. See if you can get a little uh, permission from the powers that be to at least give us a little insight. We can call it teasers or whatever, but um, we're all anxious to hear what's going on. Fully respect the fact that you can't let any cats out of the proverbial bag without, you know, doing so. But um, yeah, keep us in the loop. That will keep listeners interested. And we will once again have our 19.8 million listeners on edge hearing what Sean Haley has to say. And by the way, damn it, you should be the director of the year. And I'm going to keep fingers crossed. I love it. I love it. Appreciate it. 
Michael, do you have anything before the landing of the plane? Yes, I just want to highlight a few events coming up that are looking for some more competitive players to join and get some more teams in there. Uh, so this Saturday, I've posted it in Wicked Cornhole Events, but the Richmond Maine Recreation Department is running a fundraiser. So they are looking for teams there. I don't believe there's a pre-registration available, so it's just a show up and sign up at the door. Uh, so that'll be a fun one for those up in the Richmond Maine area. On Sunday, we are doing an event for the Ray of Light Recovery Cafe, which is a great cause. Um, Glenn Crick is also helping out uh, spreading the word. He That's run by a friend of his. Uh, so that's going to be in Salisbury, Mass., right down by the beach. Uh, so that's also in Wicked Cornhole Events for more information and on Scoreholio. So you can pre-register on Scoreholio um, and then pay cash when you get there to save yourself some of the Eventbrite fees. Um, so if you are interested in that, please sign up so we know how many boards to bring and set up on the beach. Uh, next Friday, August 4th, there's a free tournament going to be at Middlesex Community College in Bedford for the VA. Um, it's Vet Fest, so it's an event focused at veterans, first responders. Um, there's going to be a lot of information on health insurance and benefits for veterans. Uh, but the Cornell term is just a part of that and it's open to everybody. Like I said, it's free to enter um, and they're giving out a set of boards each to the winners. So that's a fun one. Uh, if you're looking for something that's free with a great prize, may not be a high-end cash competitive tournament, but they're looking to get as many people there. And if you know any veterans, they're hoping to get some people there to give some information out and try to help veterans and first responders. Uh, we start the Plain Ridge Park Casino Series August 6th. So that's going to be every Sunday except for the 13th. So we start, we have one week, then we take a week off, um, and then we're back again for the next four or five Sundays. Um, that's going to be another free one. You're going to play in the tournament and then the top, we're still working on the details, but the top few teams each week will be invited back for the championship uh, week, which has some great prizes there. Everyone that plays gets free slot play as well at the casino. So that's always a good time. Um, also on the 6th, for those near Foxborough, we are doing the Wormtown Brewery event. That one's rescheduled uh, from earlier this month. We had some bad weather come through. So that one's going to be awesome. That's capped at 50 teams. So there's a event bright to sign up. Make sure you do that. That one's probably going to sell out at 50. So there's cash prizes, there's beer, there's swag. Plus, you're just at a great brewery playing cornhole outside. So that's going to be a fun one. August 12th, we are at Operation Taco Fest. So that's going to be another big tournament. They have a ton of sponsors. Um, there is food tastings and food trucks. There's all kinds of Mexican food, tacos, tequila, beer trucks. So August 12th, Operation Taco Fest. Um, that's going to be a fun one. If you like tacos, tequila, and cornhole. That no better place fun. to be on that day. Um, that's a busy day. We do have four events as well, um, including the Merrimack Old Home Days is doing two. They're doing a Friday and a Saturday. And then, are, you, uh, are you giving every event that we're doing for the month of August right no, now? Just, the, just the upcoming ones that are asking for help. I have one more. Um, the Wyndham Parks and Recreation. That's August 13th. Um, I've had some players ask about that one. That was our biggest sponsor event. They had, I think they had 46 sponsors last year. All had boards. Um that's going to be August 13th again. They are going to split that into tiered brackets after the round robin this year. That's another fun competitive one with some cash prizes. There are a ton more coming up, but those are just the ones that have been asking to get the word out and that people have been asking about. So lots of stuff coming up. Those are the ones that we're highlighting, but there are, God, there's another 20 or so in between those that I didn't even touch on. So make sure to follow Wicked Cornhole Events. Um, that's where we post all the public ones that we're trying to get teams to, um, as well as our Scoreholio we we post. And just note on Scoreholio, 
we don't have pre-registration open for most of our tournaments on Scoreholio. Just keep it simple to have everyone pre-register through the event the way that the organization is looking for. So if you see an event that does not have pre-registration and it's one of ours, look in the notes. Odds are there's a link in there to an Eventbrite to their website. Um, just go to there, sign up. Pre-registration is the biggest help. A lot of our events are getting nervous because the competitive players aren't signing up in advance and I try to explain it. So do your part. If you're going to play in a tournament, sign up, pre-register. So that way we know it takes a load off of worry for them. It helps us know how many boards to set up so we can run the smoothest event and we don't end up with twice as many teams and not enough boards. So just uh, follow along and make sure to keep an eye out for us coming around. We're, we're all over New England and looking forward to seeing everyone out there. Well said and well done, Mike. I am thinking that that was not so much a final thought but a segment or an episode, and we should have our own segment. I'm serious, or our own episode talking about upcoming events or event summaries. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a lot in there, and and I definitely support and want people to be informed and go to our events. So nicely done. But you and I should do our own episode on that. We'll talk more later. Yeah, that's uh, that'll be a few hours just trying to go. Over I know. We have <laughs> well, you made me think of ten that I wanted to promote too, but. Uh, <laughs> But I'm not going to do that to us. I'm just going to go ahead and land the plane. But this gives us good reason to make damn sure we get back together next week. So the full or 19.8 million listeners will be sure to tune in again. But I will be I will be live in Rock Hill. So I would love to try to jump in where I could to uh, maybe do a live remote from Rock Hill if we put an episode together. Be fun. I would love that. I mean, let's plan on it. Let's do it. Yep. That'd be really groovy. A little remote right from Rock Hill. All right. We'll plan that together. But in the meantime, I'd like to thank you all for listening. And we are going to go ahead and land the plane. So good night, everybody. Good night, night, guys. Good to be back.